Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Deuteronomy chapter number six. I want to focus on that phrase for just a second this morning. If we want, if that's the reality we want, if we want the next generation, if we want our kids, our grandchildren, our grandkids, whoever to follow after Christ, we're going to have to plan for it. You see, this world has a totally different goal for our children than we as Christians do. And when I say our children, I know there are many in this room, you may be younger, you may not have kids, you you may be single, whatever it might be, but for the next generation coming up behind us, the world has a plan for them. And that plan many times does does not look at all like the plan that Christ has for our children. Reaching the generation, next generation, as I said, is so important to me, and I'm so excited today to bring you a, a message about the family. And before I do, though, I, I just kind of want to bring to your, your mind real quick how things change from generation to generation. Every generation, things look a little bit different, right? So I need a little response here for, for this first part. I, I know I'm used to being over in the boardwalk and the kids are jumping all over the place and you're used to being in big church where it's normally quiet and no one really says anything. So I need your help for a second. Who in here is a, a baby boomer? You are a baby boomer. You're in that generation. All right. How about a, a Generation X? You're an Xer. Do you have any Xers in here? I'm sure we do all across. How about Millennials? And our millennial, that would be me. I'm up there barely. I barely made it in the millennial group. And then do we have any Generation Zs in here? Might be a couple of the teenagers, a couple of Gen Zs. All right. And then, of course, over on the boardwalk, that wouldn't be anybody in here. We have Generation Alpha now on the scene. Now, to explain to you the difference in generations and how things have changed so much, I'm going to ask you a simple question. And I just want you to shout out what you think the answer to this question is. It's going to be by generation, all right? Toys. Everybody think of your favorite childhood toy. What do you think was the number one toy sold for baby boomers? So baby boomers in this room, what do you think? Number one toy sold, just yell it out, what do you think? That's exactly what I heard, heard, all right? Maybe one of you were right. The number one toy sold for baby boomers was the G.I. Joe. How many of you guys had a G.I. Joe figure growing up? My dad, he was, he's an Xer, an Xer, right? An Xer. And uh, he thought G.I. Joe's was his. So my next question then is for the Xers. What was the number one toy sold when you were a child? What do you think it was? Generation X, just tell me what do you think it is. Yell it out. I don't think I heard the right answer. Ninja Turtle, not a Ninja Turtle. That was on the list though. The number one toy sold for Generation X was a Cabbage Patch doll. How many of you had a Cabbage Patch doll? Yeah, 10 of them, <laughs> yeah, 10 of them. All right, Cabbage Patch dolls, okay? Those were still around when I was growing up too. I think they may still be around today. Millennials, our turn. If you were born before 1996 and, uh, and 1981, Millennials, what was the number one toy you think that was sold during your age frame, your generation there? What do you guys think? Oh, I heard it. I heard it. Someone said it. I heard it. It was a 
Tickle Me Elmo, a Tickle Me Elmo. My dad would not let me have a Tickle Me Elmo. He thought it was too creepy. He wouldn't allow me to have this little red thing that, that giggled whenever you tickled it. He wouldn't let me have it. And, to, and now let's get to Gen Z. That would be the teenagers in this room and some people that are, I guess, in their early 20s. Gen Z, what do you think? Number one toy sold in your generation so far. What do you think it was? I didn't hear the correct answer. I heard a bunch of ones that I thought might be correct. The correct answer is this weird looking thing. A Furby! I had a bunch of these. My dad would let me have a Tickle Me Elmo, but my grandpa would let me have a bunch of Furbies when we would go to auctions together. I remember going to an auction one time with him and buying like five of these things. Now, none of us, I bet, are gonna know the answer to this question. Generation Alpha, the generation right now, the ones that are over there in the boardwalk right now, listening to God's word being taught by the, by the teachers there. Does anyone have a guess what the number one toy right now is for Generation Alpha? iPhone, iPad. I heard PS5. PS5 was actually the second one. The third one, which kind of surprised me, is this little baby Yoda thing that runs around everywhere. That kind of surprised me. But the number one toy, which Gwen will never have, <laughs> All right, is this thing. It's an LOL doll. Yeah, you guys know, you guys knew, you guys knew right away, LOL dolls. They are huge in the boardwalk right now. And uh, we go through the generations and toys have changed. That, um, that LOL doll looks nothing like a Cabbage Patch Kid, right? Big difference. That LOL doll does not look like a GI Joe. Things have changed. As long with toys, technology has also changed, right? Think about the technology that was around when you were a child. And then think about what kids have today. In the 1960s going into the 70s, cassette tapes were just coming on the scene. Little Walkman players, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Those were just coming on the scene. Those were the big rage. And now today, kids have smartphones and iPads. It's estimated that 60% of kids ages 8 to 14 have a smartphone. Woo! I don't know about you, I didn't have smartphones growing up. I remember growing up and the first time I saw a smartphone was when my mom came home one day and she had a red Blackberry. You guys remember the Blackberry smartphones? They had like the giant keyboard that you press one button, you end up pressing like seven buttons on the keyboard because they were so small, all right? What else do kids have nowadays that we didn't have growing up? Social media. That is a huge one. We didn't have that growing up, right? From generation to generation, things change. And it's also estimated that 50% of 12-year-olds 50% have an Instagram account. That was not a thing when I was a kid. Now, I'm not here to tell you today that all those things are wrong, technology is wrong. I love technology. I'm not here, to, I'm not gonna tell you that Instagram is wrong. I have an Instagram account, none of that. That's not gonna happen today. I just wanna show you how things have changed from generation to generation. One thing hasn't changed though, and that is the power of the gospel that is in our homes. But however, sadly, in many homes, that has also kind of changed. It seems that that has changed. You see, kids and parents are so distracted sometimes by devices and sports and meetings and work and school and so many other things that Jesus' church and the gospel has slowly become non-existent in many homes. If we want the next generation of Christians to develop a deep and loving relationship with Christ, then we as the older generation, not just boomers, not just Xers, not just millennials, not just Gen Z. All of us in this room need to decide that we're going to reach, love, and disciple the next generation. Today we're gonna to talk about the family. But 
Well, as I mentioned earlier, many of you may not have kids or at your home, or you may, your kids may be out and about, or whatever. You may, not, you may be single. You may be a teenager in this room. But every single one of us is a part of the family of God here at Liberty. And every single one of us, it should be our goal to reach, train, and disciple the next generation. So as we look at the family today, I don't want you to think about your family unit, though there will be parts where I will ask you to focus on your family unit. But I want you to focus on the church family as a whole. How are we doing reaching the next generation? Today, for the next 20 or 30 minutes, I want us all to focus on the family. That's the title of today's message, Focus on the Family, all right? Deuteronomy chapter six. Go ahead and turn there if you haven't yet. Deuteronomy chapter number six. This is the last book that Moses wrote, the last book of the Pentateuch there. And we're gonna look in Deuteronomy chapter number six, one of my favorite chapters, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. Moses here is giving his, kind of his, his last address to the people of Israel. He's, he's giving this law a second time. Deuteronomy literally means second law, and he's giving it again. And we get to Deuteronomy chapter six, and he points out some very, very, very important things to the children of Israel. We'll start in verse number one. It says this. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land, whether ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that, they, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers had promised thee in the land that floweth in milk and honey. So, so far we have God speaking here through Moses, telling these people, these things that I've told you, the law that I've given you, the things I am about to say, follow them, do them, you will be prosperous. And we'll notice later on in scripture that if they didn't do these things, they were not living long, they were not prosperous. They ended up wandering in the wilderness. They ended up being defeated by enemy after enemy. They ended up being captive. So let's look at verse number four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, that, them, that will be in thine heart. Then when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the Lord, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of the house and in thine gates. So we're going to focus on verse number seven right now. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Saying the family unit, you are to teach the things, the laws, these principles that God has given you to your children. They shall be in thine heart. When thou sittest in thine house, you should talk of them when you're at home, when thou walkest by the way, when you're just out and about in your daily business, and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. What God is telling the people of Israel here is that if you want to reach your children, if you want to reach the next generation of Israelites, then God's going to have to be more than just a Sunday or a Sabbath thing in your heart. God's going to have to indwell every area of your life. And may I just say today that that's the same command for us today. If we are to reach the next generation, if Gen Alpha or Gen Z is going to come up and be the next generation of Liberty Baptist Church, then we're going to have to model Christ. 
We're going to have to teach them. We're going to have to disciple them. So by way of introduction, two quick points before we even jump into the message today. Two things that are fundamentally important for us to understand. The first one is that children matter to Jesus. The kids in the boardwalk right now, I know we all know that. We all, that's why I made introductory thoughts, all right? Children matter to Jesus. The kids over in the boardwalk right now are being taught God's word. They're being taught that God loves them, that Jesus cares for them. They're being taught all kinds of things because they matter to Jesus. Why did pastor bring me on as a children's pastor? Well, because he wanted somebody to come over the children's ministry to really develop and to disciple the kids at Liberty Baptist Church. They are the next generation. They will be the ones sitting in this room, sitting where you sit years from now will be the kids that are over in the boardwalk. Second thing we need to understand is that children need to know Jesus. I know many times it's easy to overlook because they aren't ready just yet. They can't understand the deep things yet, but children need to understand who Jesus is. So today we're going to focus on the family. And if these two things are true, how do we reach the next generation? Number one, let's get started, getting started. We're going to start with a couple things today. And the first thing is our priorities. We need to prioritize. Our lives are so busy. I don't need to really tell you that, do I? All of us have so many things going on, whether it's taking care of our kids or whether it's work or school or sports or anything, we all have packed schedules. And a lot of times it's easy for our priorities to get out of whack. So here's some things that we should prioritize in our life. The first one is real Christianity over social morality. Real Christianity over social morality. I said at the beginning that the world has a plan for our kids. And if we don't develop a real Christian love of Jesus, then social morality is going to kind of creep into their lives. This month is Pride Month. And I'm not going to spend long on this, but that is not a biblical event. <laughs> that is not a real Christian value. But in schools today... If you don't celebrate Pride Month and something is wrong with you, then you are evil, then you are committing a hate crime. What is that? That can be social morality. That's the world telling us what we need to think. But we as parents and we as teachers and we as people in this room, as adults, need to realize that the next generation is growing up with all of these things surrounding them, especially with them on social media now, Real Christianity, not, not fake Christianity, not uh, I'm, I'm like this at church, but I'm totally different at home, but real Christianity needs to be a priority in our lives. Godliness over happiness is another priority. The world just wants us to be happy. Live your best life, follow your heart, do whatever you want to do. Love is love, be happy. But the Bible doesn't say that. Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't say, be happy. He says, follow me. We need to teach our kids a godly life, not just to be chasing the ultimate sport trophy or just to be getting the highest grades in class, but teaching them how to live a godly life. We need to teach them relationships over just religion. 
Church is more than just coming to church and sitting in a pew for an hour and then going home. It's more than that. It's about developing a relationship with Christ. And we, as, the, as this current generation, need to teach these kids these things. Because if we don't teach them, who will? If we as Christians at Liberty Baptist Church aren't investing in the next generation, then Liberty Baptist Church is not going to look like this at all in a couple years. Now, there will be some kids that are determined to follow God anyway. That will happen, but they need our help. So prioritize. Number two, implement. And this is one where it's going to be focusing more on the the family unit as a whole. Some simple ones, Bible reading. Bible reading should be a part of every family unit. Prayer should be a normal thing of every Bible unit, of every family unit. Singing good Christian songs should be a part of every family unit. And if you don't have a good Christian playlist, feel free to reach out to me. I'll send you the kids playlist, all right? But these all should be part of a good Christian family unit. And this one I'm just going to touch on for just a second is service. Getting involved as families in service somewhere. A lot of times we come to church and maybe mom or dad will serve somewhere and the kids will wait out in the pews. But may I just say it's great to see families serving together. Every other week when I'm walking around the boardwalk, Michael and Shannon Garcelle, they teach every other week in the boardwalk. And uh, in their class every week is Nick helping with them in that five-year-old class. Nick's a teenager. Nick could be sitting in here. Nick could be sitting with his friends in church. But what's he doing? His family has made it a priority for Nick to be serving with his family. And I love to see that. I love to see families serving together. And there's plenty of ways that we can make that happen. And that's why we have Fifth Family Sundays in here, where kids may be seeing on the platform, or kids might be helping out uh, with ushering and with greeting. We need to implement some Christian things in our lives. And then communicate. We're still getting started here. Communicate. We need to communicate with the next generation. This is everybody in this room. Whether you have kids or not, I need everybody for this one. This is where all of us get involved. Every single one of us. We need to communicate with the next generation. The next generation of kids needs somebody in their life that they can talk to that's not just a part of their family. Everybody in this room, think real quick. About maybe if you grew up in church, I bet you can think of somebody in your life that invested in you that wasn't a part of your family. I think of a pastor or a youth pastor. I think of my friend Richie, who wasn't even part of my church, but he helped me in so many ways growing up. We need to communicate. What have they been learning? Maybe today when you're going through the boardwalk today and you see a kid, maybe it's not even your kid, okay? Don't be creepy about it, but you go, hey, what are you learning today? What did you learn in class today? What did God teach you? Refresh their minds. What did you learn today? How is God speaking to your heart? Are you struggling? There's a boy. He's 12 years old. He's just about to move into the youth group next year. And um, he, one Wednesday night, was struggling. I mean, you could visibly see it. He was struggling with something. And he's acting up in class, and he's, he's putting stickers all over his face, and he's, he's making big distractions, making it impossible for people around him to pay attention to the Bible lesson. And so when we leave for game time, I look at him and I say, hey, I, I saw all you were doing. I had to call you out a couple of times. I can't let you play in game time tonight. I'm sorry. And he just looks down, and he walks over to the gym with us, and we all begin playing inside, and he just leaves the gym, and he walks outside. 
Security guard watches him. Okay, so the security guard eyes are on him, and he's just hanging out outside, just hanging by a, a post, and he's just standing there, just staring. Something was up with this kid. We all leave the gym. Miss Mary takes all the kids back over, and I walk outside to this point and said, hey, what's going on? Like, why are you struggling so much? Is there something going on in your life? Is there something going on at school? He's just having a hard time at school. He's having a hard time with friends. He's having a hard time with, thing, with just all the, he said he's, he has a busy life, a 12-year-old, super busy life, you know. But he's saying his life is crazy and he has so much going on and it was just a struggle to him. Mental health in kids is real and it's prevalent nowadays. And sometimes kids just need someone to ask them, how are you doing? Are you okay? How can I help you? And parents, that doesn't just have to be you. That can be any of us in this room. How is Jesus working in your heart? What's he doing in your life? So getting started. Number two, continued growth. And this is where, this is the longest part right here of the whole message, continue growth. How do we get from just reading our Bible or just praying or just having a conversation with a child to continue that growth in them? I'm gonna read a quote real quick. There's a company uh, called Barna Group. Maybe you've heard of them before. They do a bunch of different um, studies and they partnered up with Awana, which is one of the biggest kids programs out there. And they did a huge, huge research, thousands and thousands and thousands of kids over 20 or 10 to, it's like 10 to 20 years, I don't remember exactly. And they published a book that I bought with all of these different statistics in it. And this by far was the most outstanding statistic of all. The number one factor for a child staying in church is for them to have a close relationship with an adult in the church that is not part of their immediate family. Studies show over 70% of children who have this relationship remain in church after they graduate high school. That is a staggering statistic. Why? Because the statistic is 50 to 70% of kids will leave church after graduating high school. And this study shows that anybody that invests in the life of a child that is not a part of their immediate family, 70% of those kids remained in church. If we want to reach the next generation, then we need to be investing in them, whether we have kids or whether we don't. Pastor Caleb, I'm not the children's pastor. I'm not on the kids team. I'm never in the boardwalk. I never get to talk with any of the kids. We need to make it a priority to invest in the next generation. Because if we don't, 50 to 70% of them are gone after they graduate high school. That means over 65 kids in the boardwalk will not be here after they graduate high school. That means 50 per 70% of the youth group will not be here when they graduate high school. And that breaks my heart because every week, myself and the kids team are pouring ourselves into these kids and I think that 60 to 75% of them won't be here 10 years from now. It breaks my heart. But we as Liberty Baptist Church can change that. If each of us would continue the growth in the life of a child, then we could change the, that statistic forever. If we showed them that Jesus loved them, if we showed them that we cared about them, if we showed them that there are people here that know Jesus and want them to know Jesus, 70 
1.8% was the average of those that stayed. So let me ask you a question here. Is there somebody that you are investing in? I'm not saying you're going out to eat with them every single week. I'm not saying that you're giving them 100 bucks every time you see them. I'm not saying that every time you see them, you're just putting your arm around, giving them a big old hug and walking back to the service, never talking to them again. Is there somebody, is there a child that you are truly investing? Is there a teenager that you have taken under your wing? I know Ryan Cavan often refers to Javen as being that person who helped him stay in church, who helped lead him, who helped disciple him. He's a, I don't think I'd be overstating this, but I think Ryan would say that Javen was a big part of his Christian life growing up. Who knows where Ryan would be today? I don't know where I'd be today if it wasn't for a youth pastor taking me under his arm and showing me these things. I don't know where I would be. So adults in this room, even teenagers in this room, who are we reaching? Who are we discipling? Who are we investing? Who are we focusing on? And thou shalt teach them to thy children. When thou sittest down, when thou li- or when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Continued growth. Number three, the end result or the end goal. The end goal. What is the end goal? I mean, you don't, you're not just going to you're not just gonna be with a child forever. They're gonna get older. They're eventually probably gonna leave and go somewhere, get married or something. But what is the end goal of focusing on a young person, focusing on a teenager? What is the end goal? I think there's four end goals here. The first one is that they have an understanding that God knows them. Notice I said that God knows them. I could have put God loves them, but that God knows them. They are important to him. They aren't just some little person on a giant world. God knows who they are. He knows what their struggles are. He knows the hairs on their head. He knows everything about them. And it's important that kids understand that God knows who they are. He knows their struggles. He knows their pains. He knows their sins. He knows their weaknesses. He knows all of that. He still loves them. There's a second thing they need to understand. They need an understanding that Jesus loves them. One of the most important lessons that any child can ever know is that Jesus loves them. Every child that walks into the boardwalk, I want them to know that Jesus loves them. Any, any kid that comes into this church should know that Jesus loves them. Number three, they should know that the Holy Spirit and understanding that the Holy Spirit leads them. As they go through life, the Holy Spirit should be their guide. Not the world moral compass. Not the things they see on social media, but God's word and the Holy Spirit. It needs to lead them. It needs to guide them. They need to understand that when they do something wrong and, they, and there's that voice in the back of their head saying, yeah, you should not have done that. They need to understand that's the Holy Spirit speaking to them when they sit in church and they hear something from God's word and it changes their lives. They need to understand that it is the Holy Spirit speaking to them. So often the Holy Spirit is left out of the equation, but he is the guiding force and should be in all all of our lives. And the fourth thing they need to understand is an understanding that they are a child of God. They are a child of God. They aren't a servant. They aren't a slave. They aren't in prison. They're not in chains. They're not on their last straw. They are a child of God. 
and God loves them and God knows them and God has an amazing plan for their life. And they are a child of God. So focusing on the family, focusing on the church family here. Now, this is not a typical Sunday morning message, but I believe if every single one of us, if 70% of us in this room, there's about 200, 300 people in this room right now, there's about 150 to 200 kids and teenagers here at Liberty Baptist Church. If we just decided, hey, I'm going to spend time with that one. I'm going to spend time focusing on this one. I'm going to invest and spend my, my effort getting to know this child and, and talking to this one and teaching them about Jesus. And I'm not saying you have to sit down with them every Sunday and take them through discipleship. But you're just showing I care about you. We need to teach them to our children. God needs to be a part of every area of our lives when we're walking, when we're sleeping, when we rise up, when we lie down. To wrap things up, I want to ask you a simple question. Which of these things are you going to focus on? Maybe it's making priorities right in your home. Maybe it's implementing some new structure with family devotions. Maybe it's picking a kid or a teenager and committing to investing in their lives. Maybe it's to join the youth team or the kids team. Maybe it's to simply live a godly lifestyle so that the next generation has a godly role model to follow after. Whatever it is, if we're going to reach the next generation, we all are going to have to focus on the family. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.